Hey, Mitch, I asked. Got a minute? Mitch Keller says, you know what? I've got two. And it took less than that for him to explain to me how he's throwing a hundred miles an hour down here. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dayon Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates coming to you from Bradenton, Florida. I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins. If you're into football and or hockey, hope you can check those out as well. Mitch, it's safe to say, has been the buzz of the beginning of spring training. Doesn't mean it'll hold up. Doesn't mean anything of consequence will come of it by the time the team charter lands in St. Louis. At the same time, we are talking about 100 miles an hour. And when you look back over the 2021 season that Keller had, in particular, set aside whatever concerns or criticisms that you had about him and that I had about him before last season. And you know what I'm talking about there. It was the nibbling stuff. It was the afraid to throw inside stuff. All of which was 100% valid. But by the time he got sent down to Indianapolis in the middle of last season and worked with Joel Hanrahan, who now unfortunately is out of the organization, Hanrahan was able to set him straight in that specific facet. By the time Keller came back to Pittsburgh, he was working inside. He was working the inner part of the plate. He was back in hitters off. He didn't exactly turn into Bob Gibson, but it was no longer a shortcoming, much less the shortcoming. Instead, it was this bizarre lack of velocity in every other start. Remember this? And this went through the entire season, before and after the demotion to Indy. What happened? What could possibly have happened to cause him to drop from a range of 94, 95, 96 down into the 90, 91s? Because that's where he was. And more relevant right now, what did he do to get to a hundred? Here's the answer that he gave me yesterday. Where did it come from? Well, I've always had I've thrown hard my I know. whole life, so it's just kind of getting back to finding why, how I used to throw hard and why I used to throw hard. So it's just looking at old video and seeing how my body used to move, and um, just kind of doing drill work to find that same that same way I was moving. And, 2017 through 2019 so um, just trying to emulate that and get better here and there um, yeah and then just kind of unlocked for me a little bit so there. you just you just went looser and more fluid yeah just trying to get more fluid more loose less tense and then just using my legs that I got sounds pretty basic right well maybe but maybe there's more to it as well This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, 
an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. The issue was one of Mitch's upper body doing one thing, Mitch's lower body doing another. There wasn't a real harmony between them, and as a result, he wasn't able to utilize his full leg drive to add to his velocity. Why did that happen? He couldn't come close to offering an answer, but it did. He talked about being more free and easy, as you heard, and that's a really common thing from pitchers because they'll get tight, they'll get uptight, Maybe because of nerves, maybe because of pressure, maybe because of the burden of having been this system's number one prospect. And one of the top pitching prospects, by the way, in all of baseball, across all minor leagues, not long before he was promoted to the Pirates, and then, you know, not doing very well, to say the least. And having people like me and you even question his courage, question his ability to have a presence on the mound. But I'm here to tell you that 100 miles an hour, particularly if it's located with even reasonable precision, Man, there's a lot of presence to be found in that. And there are some side bonuses as well. If he's throwing 100, and by the way, although he first got attention for that with an Instagram post by the facility and the program in Charlotte, North Carolina, where this occurred a couple of months ago for the first time, He's also done it here. He did it two mornings ago at Lee Com Park in a live batting practice off the actual regulation mound facing an actual regulation set of hitters with a radar gun behind him. 100 miles an hour. Believe me, that got everyone's attention here a lot more than any Instagram post could have done. Not that they were doubting the veracity of it. It's just it happens right in front of your eyes. So what needs to happen from here? Well, I referenced command. This affords you a little luxury to not be as mechanically pristine, but you still got to put the ball where you want to. Then there's durability. One of the things that the Pirates and everybody loves about Ruanzi Contreras, their top pitching prospect now, is that he throws 100 miles an hour, but he's still throwing 100, or occasionally hitting 100, even when he gets to the 6th or 7th innings. That's a bona fide 100 mile an hour kid. He is special, to quote one of the evaluators, with whom I spoke down here. I'm talking about Contreras. And then 
I feel like I should knock on some kind of wood or something. But there's health, you know? If your arm's been throwing 94, 95, 96 at a max rate for a few years, and then all of a sudden you're throwing 100, I probably shouldn't even bring it up. So there's not a magic wand that's going to be waved here for Keller. He has work ahead of him. But this is some serious found gold in the offseason for the Pirates as it is. When we come back, just one question. J1Q and today's comments from Chris who asks DK if Nick Gonzalez and Leo Verpiguero are moving up the organizational ladder as a double play combo and their play dictates that both will be ready by 2023 or 2024 why not get a head start on the position switch for O'Neill Cruz there's a lot in that question, Chris, as I'm sure you knew when you typed it out. And I could give you multiple layers of answers on this, including the readiness or the pace of Gonzalez and Peguero, who I'm not sure would arrive together. I think Gonzalez is on a faster track, if only because of the bat. But Taking your question literally and going by the two years that you offer, 2023 and 2024, I think Gonzalez will be here in Pittsburgh, I should say, as the starting second baseman in 2023. Piguero, I don't have that feeling about. However, in neither case would you move Cruz to accommodate him. This could end up being wrong, but at the moment, Cruz appears to be someone with significantly higher potential even than Gonzalez. He achieves his power-hitting results in a borderline freakish way. He has the strongest arm of any player at any position in the entire organization, including pitchers. Much the same way that Starling Marte had the strongest arm of anyone for so many years. As such, Cruz is your priority. Cruz is the one that you place somewhere first. Now, Ben Charrington was asked earlier this week here about... Cruz staying at shortstop. And he's got a a stock answer for that one at this point. And that's that, you know, he's he's there now. That's where he's playing. And, you know, we'll occasionally, you know, try different things with him. But, you know, as we're speaking, he's a shortstop. That's been his stance since he arrived. He has tuned out the whole you can't have a six foot seven shortstop thing because he's also 
watched Cruz play the position, mostly fluidly. And whatever he might lack or just look a little bit odd, because our eyes aren't used to seeing someone with that build at that position, he more than makes up with those long legs being able to cover more ground to move to either side, and that arm that I mentioned. That also compensates. If Cruz can stay at shortstop, and you can have an explosive power bat at that position, you don't pass that up if you're the Pirates. You have to find different wild card elements along the way toward building a, go ahead and stifle your laughter here, championship team. That's supposed to be the goal. I'm not getting into a whole payroll nutting conversation here, but that's supposed to be the goal. And with this budget or a $100 million payroll or a $120 million payroll, you're still going to need the occasional freak. And that's Cruz. I would prioritize him. And I believe that the Pirates will prioritize him. If and when... Peguero arrives and looks like he's just a can't miss this or that, whether it's defensive, offensive, whatever. You figure things out up to and including possibly moving him to another team. One of the things that Charrington has set up, and if he's lucky and smart, this will come to fruition, is that he's got quality and quantity in the minors. He's got multiple players at the same position. That's just how it's going to go. You're not going to align things based on what's two rungs down the ladder. You're just not. That's a great way to screw up more than one thing. You deal with those problems right when they punch you in the face as they get to the major leagues. I appreciate the questions. Really, really good stuff, Chris. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one from here in Bradenton tomorrow.